from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. After John had been arrested, Jesus went into Galilee. There he proclaimed the gospel from God, saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is close at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. I learned a, a moment ago that uh, you also know the Ashes Wednesday, do you? I don't know how the liturgy is going on in the different denominations you belong to, but in the Catholic liturgy, tomorrow we will receive ashes on the head, accompanied by a few words. And the words are precisely the words Jesus spoke at that moment. Repent and believe and the gospel. And now, dear brothers and sisters, I want to share with you, to reflect with you on the meaning of this uh, preaching of Jesus, because it is a common, uh, uh, a common conviction that this passage, very short, summarizes the essence of what Jesus was preaching at the beginning of his ministry. It's a synthesis. This was the, the, the topic on, on which Jesus spoke all the time, especially at the beginning of his ministry. Repent. The kingdom has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, before Jesus, to convert always meant to go backwards, to make a leap backwards. The understanding was that by sinning, by breaking the law, a person turned his back to the covenant. So to enter again into the covenant, in the friendship of God, he had to, turn, to make a U-turn and go back to the observance of the law. So to convert, and the Hebrew word was shub, meant precisely to go back, to make a U-turn. So conversion had an ascetical or moral content. It meant to change one's way of life. And this is the main meaning of conversion till John the Baptist. On the lips of John the Baptist, conversion, when he uh, preached the conversion, he had in mind this, change your life. If you were violent, cease being violent. If, if you took advantage of people, cease uh, taking advantage of people. When Jesus uses this word, the meaning is different. Not because Jesus played on words and uh, had time to, 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 uh, to just to change the meaning of words, but because the reality had changed. With his coming, the situation of humanity was no longer the same. Therefore, now, to convert or to repent, but at that moment, conversion is a better translation than repentance. To convert doesn't mean to go back to the old covenant. It means to make a leap forward and to enter into the kingdom. 
It means to take a decision. Uh, men have, uh, uh, could not change their way of life. They were unable to do good. So God freely has sent his kingdom among men, and Jesus, the gospel, Jesus is this kingdom. So now the, the, the main task is no longer to go back to the observance of the old covenant, is to accept this gift of God, this kingdom, which has come freely. So convert and believe doesn't mean two different things. It means convert, that is, believe. Convert by believing is the same thing. The first conversion is faith. I was surprised later this uh, last uh, weeks to find that this is a statement contained in the Summa Theologica of St. Thomas Aquinas, which, who is the highest authority in the Catholic theology. He says, prima conversio fit in fide. First conversion consists in believing. It's a revolution, you, believe, you think? It's a revolution. Every other religion starts telling people what they must do. Christianity begins telling people not what they must do, but what God has done for them, the kingdom. Christianity, their brothers and sisters, is about grace. Ah, amazing grace in reality. Oh, certainly somebody could say, but there is a, a first commandment, there is a commandment. So Christianity, uh, the Bible begins with the, the first commandment. You should love your God as, uh, uh, with all your strength, your mind. Yes, this is the first commandment. Only the order of commandments is not the first order in Christianity, it's the second order. Before the order or the level of commandments, there is a higher level, which is the level of gift. Grace. Unless we understand this difference, this essential difference, we shall be in trouble in the interreligious dialogue. Because uh, like uh, the secularized world, we cannot see where is the difference, how, why Jesus is different. It's different completely because of this. Salvation doesn't come because man tries to climb the pyramid of good either with intellectual speculation or ascetic works. The pyramid has been overturned. And God is at basis and he, he supports us all. It's a revolution. And all this comes gratuitously. Jesus didn't speak in abstract terms like Paul will do later on. Eh? <clears throat> Jesus spoke in a very concrete term, so he used the image of a child. The condition to receive the kingdom is to be a child. Now, uh, what, uh, what has a, uh, a child special? What is special about ch children? You parents, you know better than I do. No, children are not necessarily always good and gentle kind. Huh? Some, some can be rebellious and uh, <clears throat> uh, obstinate sometimes, but they have, they have a privilege. 
They have a quality which is very precious in the eyes of God. When they ask for something, a toy or a PlayStation, I don't know. <laughs> Nowadays, they, they, they are not content of simple toys. Eh? They don't ask on the presupposition that they have deserved it, but only in, in unconsciously on the presupposition that they are the children, and they're, they're, therefore they are loved. And one day everything will, will be uh, theirs. So they speculate on the fact that they are loved by their parents. They rely upon the love of their parents. And this is what Jesus asks from us. Not to present a prize, not to pay a prize. There is no prize to be paid for the kingdom of God. Only to extend your, your arms and receive it gratuitously. On the basis that you are loved by God, the love of God. So you see how, what an harmony there is in Christianity between faith, grace, and, uh, and faith. So grace is the extended arm of God presenting man the gift of Jesus, gospel. Faith is the, man of, uh, the, the hand of a man extending to receive, as a beggar, to receive the gift. Now you have already understood that this is the origin, this is where St. Paul found his message of justification to faith alone. So I don't understand why there is so much fuss about, about the justification through faith. Some people even say that St. Paul is the founder of Christianity, not Jesus. Jesus was just a, a, a Jew because he invented this message of, true, uh, of the free justification through faith. No, it is precisely the result of this message of Jesus. Believe in the gospel, faith, gratuitous faith. And you know the passage. When Luther discovered this, he said, I felt a new man. It was uh, as if the doors of paradise were wide open in front of me. He said, in fact, it is a liberating message. It has been for me also. After all my theology, my studies, my ascetic efforts, in, uh, I discovered this. Because when, when you discover this, and there is always room for discovering, you know, even if you know already. Uh, discovering this is really to, to be born again. This is the bold stroke. There is a bold stroke to make in life. And I uh, suggest to you to make this short prayer. Don't, Lord, don't allow me to die before I have achieved this bold stroke, this stroke of genius. But in what does this stroke consist? Simply <laughs> in an act of faith. Jesus died for me, therefore my sins are forgiven. I am new man. Where did Paul uh, find this message? Not in the Gospels, because the Gospel of Mark was not yet written uh, at that time. Uh, but he knew from the oral tradition of the church. He, he said that he learned something be, uh, when he converted. So he got the message. He says that he received the tradition. But moreover, he learned this message from his own experience. God made him experience this. And he tells us, 
this there's, uh, 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 says his experience in the letter to the Philippians, chapter 3. When he, he, he gives his personal testimony, like I did yesterday evening, huh? uh, he first says what he used to be and then uh, what he became later. If anyone does claim to rely on uh, these, all, all these claim to be uh, circumcised and, and so on, and my claim is better. Circumcised on the eighth day of my life, I was born on the race of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew, born of Hebrew parents, in the master of the law, in the matter of the law, I was a Pharisee. As for religious fervor, I was a persecutor of the church. As for the uprightness embodied in the law, I was faultless. At that point, if you were a Catholic, uh, I could start a, a process of, of canonization. <laughs> because all the titles he mentions were our title, title of holiness. They, these were the ancient title of holiness. Perfect obs observance of the law, belong to the structure of salvation, the Hebrew people. So, uh, Today, we could be mistaken reading, I was a Pharisee, and we say, oh, certainly he had to convert, he was a Pharisee. <laughs> Not at all. Pharisees were the most religious party. It is like saying, I belong to the most austere religious order of the church. These were the Pharisees. So what happened to, 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 to change, to make this change? But the next section begins with an adversative uh, uh, word, but. What were once my assets, I know through Christ Jesus count as losses. Yes, I will go farther. Because of the supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, I count everything else as loss. For him I have accepted the loss of all other things. And, um, and look at them as filth, if only I can gain Christ and be given a place in him. With the, with the uprightness I have gained not from the law, but through faith in Christ. An uprightness from God based on faith. When I, I think about Paul, I try to Imagine what happened psychologically. I, I can imagine a man going in a wood, walking in a wood in the full night with a small light of a candle. And this small light of a candle was his justice, his uprightness embodied in the law. And he was uh, very, very concerned that this light should not get uh, off. But walking, walking as time passes, the sun rises, and uh, he can no longer see the small uh, light, and he threw the, the small candle away. The sun was Jesus, the sun of righteousness. Now, the key word, of course, is faith here. All we have to do is to believe, to believe. Now, there are different kinds of faith, as we know. There is faith... Uh, as an ascent of our in, in intellect to some 
reveal truth. There is a faith which consists in trusting. And there is a special faith which, uh, which can be uh, translated, interpreted as appropriation. To appropriate something. You understand what I, what I mean? To make something which doesn't belong to us, to make ours. <laughs> this is uh, something which done in, uh, in, uh, in, so, uh, in uh, civil society will lead you immediately to prison. <laughs> uh, it is undue appropriation, undue appropriation. If you appropriate something which doesn't belong to you, you will be in trouble with the law. This is something Jesus urges us to do all the time, to make an undue appropriation. Undue here means not deserved, freely. Appropriate what? The justice of Jesus, because he died for us. St. Bernard, who wrote before Luther and was one of the source of Luther, in one text says, what I uh, lack in myself, what I can't achieve by myself, I will appropriate from the pierced side of Jesus on the cross. And the verb he uses is even stronger. He says, I usurp. I usurp. You, is, does this verb exist in English? So there is a possibility of becoming holy by usurpation. I usurp. If the, uh, I uh, declare that my merits are the mercies of God, and if the mercies of God are many, so will my merits be. And what about my personal justice, O Lord? Oh, I will, I will no longer remember my justice, because your justice has become mine. It is written that you have been made by God for me, Righteousness, wisdom, sanctification, for me. Only we very seldom take this literally. Even, even, uh, even the most dedicated Lutherans don't take it literally. <laughs> Strange enough, last year I was called to, to give some lessons on the letter to the Romans to 1,000 Lutherans in, in, uh, in Denmark. And what a surprise, a joy to see that in spite of, we can have theories in, in our theology, have written anything, but to make this a, a lived experience is another thing. When the Catholic Church and the World Federation of Lutheran Churches uh, uh, made this agreement in 1998 about the justification through faith, uh, there was a point uh, which impressed me very much, uh, and it said this. Now it is time to stop making of this uh, special topic a matter of quarrel among Christians, of discussions, theological debates. It is time to make them a lived experience available for every baptized person. This is another, another matter. And I consider my small services going around and trying to, to encourage Catholic brothers and other fellow Christians to make this, make justification to faith, not just a theory, a lived experience. We change life, change life. 
today you you really you really uh, uh, realize this in faith you feel a new man like luther but this is not a new teaching that has always been the main message of the church in the early early days of the church the fathers used uh, other images to say the same thing for instance cyril of jerusalem you have been told that my the fathers of the church were my visualization cyril of jerusalem who lived in the fourth century in one sermon to the people says look at the generosity of our god the just men of the old testament attained salvation through a long effort and observance of commandments of the law but what they obtained through a long and painful service the lord jesus gives you in less than half an hour <laughs> because if you proclaim with your lips that jesus is lord and in your heart you, be you believe that god raised him from the dead you are saved now you know when i quote this passage i always ask uh, uh, from the audience uh, uh, something i ask to help me let this message resound stronger than with my voice so if you are ready to help me please uh, uh, learn these two very short sentences the people who were present yesterday you know already first sentence jesus is lord, jesus is lord. second sentence god raised him from the dead now at my first sign you shout at the top of your voices Jesus is Lord and at the second sign God raised him from the dead ready not not as a, a, a joke as a, a proclamation if with your lips you proclaim that Jesus is Lord and if in your heart you believe that God raised him from the dead you shall be what Saved. no you are saved <laughs> you are already saved and another father of the church john chrysostom who later on was developed by cabasilas a very important byzantine writer in the middle ages uh, describes how salvation occurs with this image imagine there was a a, a big struggle in a stadium a valiant man faced the tyrant of the city the tyrant you understand i am always uncertain of my english so you understand what i mean the tyrant we have recent experience of tyrants <laughs> um, and with a terrible struggle and wounds and blood he overcame him he conquered the the violent the tyrant you didn't struggle you didn't bleed you didn't get wounds you were just onlooker on the on the on the around the stadium but if you admire the valiant the hero if you are excited about him and you shake the crowd around you in favor of him i tell you that you will uh, take part in his prize but there is more imagine this man has no need of the crown he has deserved what uh, uh, will happen it will happen that you you 
you shall get this, the crown. He has fought and you get the crown. This is our salvation, of course. One day I had baptized a, bo a baby in Milan. I had uh, developed some of these insights to the, the assembly. And when I lifted up the baby after uh, being baptized, there was an, an explosion of applause in the audience, and everybody understood that we were applauding the hero, Jesus, who had fought to conquer this, and the baby was this, this trophy. But every, each one of us is, is trophy. Now, does this mean that uh, we disattend effort, commandments, uh, no, on the contrary. It, is, it means only that we restore the proper order. Not first the effort, our good works, and then as a reward, the grace of God. The contrary, we receive the grace of God, the kingdom of God, the gospel, and thus as, as a, an act of gratitude, we observe the commandments, we observe the law. So this is a perfect harmony. I put uh, uh, this in this way. You are not saved because of your good works, but you are not saved without your good works. And in this we are, I, 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 I suppose I am, we agree all. So on the contrary, but this is what is in the letter to the Romans. The trouble, their brothers and sisters, has been not so much that uh, in the theological debates, the letter to the Romans has been detached from the rest of the New Testament. This is also an inconvenient. Eh? The main mistake has been that the first part of the letter to the Romans and has been separated from the second part of the letter to the Romans. Because if we take the whole letter to the Romans, we've, we've, we find this perfect harmony. So first he establishes the work of God. We were all in sin. Jesus came, died for us. He rose again, in the baptism he made us a new creatures. But from chapter 12, he goes on telling people what they must do. So, love must be without pretense. You must obey the established authorities. You must uh, 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 behave as in the daylight, and so on. So, there is a fullness of Christian duties. All the Christian virtues are mentioned in in the second part of the letter. So if we take, but what is important in the letter to the Romans is precisely the order in which these things are said. Not first the virtues, the effort of man, and then the, 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 the grace of God, the contrary. I think now it is time that we, we go forward. The world of today needs that all the Christians proclaim together, maybe in different styles, in, with different uh, uh, accents, but we proclaim the main message to the world. Now it's no longer time to quarrel among ourselves about a point of doctrine, because, as I used to say, the battle now is around the king. In some Middle, middle Ages uh, battles, uh, described in, by in Shakespeare's work, for instance, you see that first there is the, the chival, chivalry and all, but at the end, uh, the end, the battle is around the king. And the, there, the battle is decided. Nowadays, the battle is around the king, no longer about um, the servants. It's about Jesus, because nowadays, uh, Jesus is, is in, at stake. 
secularized world tends to reduce Jesus to just one person, especially in America. You know, there is a center, a seminar in Berkeley, Jesus Seminar, from which all kinds of strange uh, theses about Jesus come, including that Jesus was a simple Galilean peasant who went around uttering beautiful sentences, but uh, <laughs> not dying, of course. One I have read in, in, uh, in, uh, here in a book. Uh, eventually, we have discovered the Gospel of Mark, of Thomas, and we know that um, we are spared a crucifixion, uh, the resurrection is un unnecessary, and we are not obliged to believe in a, in, a, in, in a God named Jesus Christ. The Da Vinci Code and all other books uh, which floods the world are based on this. We cannot uh, stay in our good, beautiful seminaries and schools and ignore how the world is going on. People who read novels and see the shows have this idea of Jesus. So we must uh, proclaim who Jesus is. We must proclaim that Jesus is, is the unique and his salvation is universal. <laughs> well, to conclude in a more personal way, what shall we, uh, what must we do to achieve, to perform this bold stroke? Because uh, I insist, uh, this is a question of a personal experience in life. Even preachers, even preachers must first experience this. Otherwise, they, they can preach justification through faith all the time, but no new life will be born unless the, the preacher has experienced that. And to achieve this, it's very simple. You can. Uh, if you are a Catholic, you can go in front of the Blessed Sacrament. If you are not a Catholic, you can go in front of a crucifix or whatsoever, an, an icon. Or put yourself in the presence of God. And try to rehearse the content of your faith. So, God Father, you sent Jesus into the world to save us, to save me. He died for my sins, therefore my sins uh, have been destroyed. I accept this gratuitous salvation from you. I accept this. I confess my sin, I give to Jesus my sins, and I take his righteousness. And God, Father, now look at me and rejoice. <laughs> rejoice, as it is written that you, you rejoiced when you first created the world. Because I am a new creature, a new creation. Jesus has made me a new creation. So rejoice. Like a baby who uh, comes in front of her mother her father in a new dress and says, look how beautiful I am. <laughs> yes, because this salvation of Jesus is, is the cloak of righteousness, the mantle of righteousness. Sometimes when I speak to people in Rome, uh, uh, I uh, tell them, you see in the streets many homeless people, beggars, uh, who have nothing but rags, some dirty rags. Imagine one day the voice spreads in, in Rome that in Via Condotti, Via Condotti in Rome is the, 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 the street of the, the more fashionable uh, boutiques, uh, 
very, very expensive one. Imagine the, the, the voice spreads that there is a, a, a owner of one of these um, uh, boutiques who for some reason is in, in a mood of generosity and invites all the beggars to come to uh, put off their dirty uh, rags to take a shower and to choose the best suit, their, their clothes they, they can see, put and go free, freely without any, any... This is what Jesus invites us to do all the time. Let us, let us ask the Holy Spirit to teach us how to, to realize this beautiful uh, stroke of... Uh, bold stroke in our life. Thank you for inviting me to this uh, meeting, this place. And I must say that I have been impressed being here in this Asbury Seminary and the Diocese of Lexington. And let me say that what has convinced me to come, in spite of many engagements, and has been precisely uh, this collaboration I have seen in, uh, going on in this part of the, of the world. I was impressed last year when, uh, while preaching a retreat uh, to some bishops in, uh, in the States, that Bishop Gaynor uh, handed over to me a letter, an invitation from Tori Bakum, and he urged me very gently, encouraged me to accept this invitation. So I saw a Catholic bishop inviting me uh, uh, pushing me to accept an invitation for non-Catholic denominations. And coming here, I have seen that behind this, there is something more. There is a willingness of working together for Jesus, of putting aside all past uh, division currents. And um, I have been blessed by this, and I will uh, uh, share this vision with other brothers and sisters in uh, wherever the Lord uh, leads me. Thank you.